Welcome back to Tales from the Chair. I'm Cardinals Cardinals. Let's have a go at it. Today's episode, Scary Moments in Therapeutic History. Or at least, my therapeutic history. If you remember the first episode about a little bit about me, one of the first people I saw after I graduated with my master's literally pulled out a knife on me. They were uh, schizophrenic that didn't really have a lot of understanding of where they were, and they pulled it out on me kind of in a very distressing way. Welcome to the field is basically how I view that story. But I've actually been in quite a few scary situations and figured this is a good time to bring up some of these moments and just kind of share it with you all because it's kind of amusing thinking back on some of these things and just how wild it is to be in this field. And so I hope you can enjoy some of the things that I have had to go through. You ever hear the piece Claire de Lune? It's a beautiful song. You could play it on the piano, you could do it orchestral. There's a great rendition of it in the movie Ocean's Eleven at the end. Um, it's an amazing piece, it's very pretty. If you hear it, it kind of takes you to a certain kind of place. If you're not into it, that's fine, but it's a really great song. And it happens to be one of my favorites. And I mention this because Sadly, this song now is tethered to an experience that I had when I was working in home services with various populations. And one patient that I worked with was a long-term patient of the agency who got passed around from one therapist to another either because they would get burnt out or because the therapist was no longer working in the agency. And... There came a time where it became my turn to work with this individual. Didn't seem like all that bizarre of a person. Guy in his young 20s, he had schizophrenic tendencies, apparently was Baker acted every so often, and he kind of presented himself relatively low demeanor, low energy, so didn't seem like anything overwhelming. But there was a thing that he had where he was able to play the piano and I use this in the therapy as something that could be an asset because that's what you need to do with people who have intense mental health issues find something that they can get good at or can find relief in and use it as a tool for their betterment but as I was working with this person our time together started getting a little bit more curious as he was starting to ask me personal questions, started to be curious about what worked for me and what brought me joy. And you interact with these individuals on a very limited level in order to not only maintain boundaries, but also keep the work within the framework of what they need. But I one day was working with them and they asked me what was my favorite piano piece. And I instinctively said Claire de Lune. No big deal. And when I come back about a week and a half later, he's like, oh, I need to show you something. I need to show you something. And nobody was at this kid's house. So it was just me and him. No big deal. Always would happen with various patients. But this time he brought me to the piano room, which was like a small little hallway in the middle of the house that just kind of had the piano and that was about it. And he 
brought me in there and he closed the doors and he started being like, listen, listen to what I, I figured out. And he starts playing Clear the Loon. And I'm like, oh, hey, look at that. You did it. You, you, you're playing the piece. That's, that's really neat. He's like, well, I did it for you. I'm like, oh, well, you didn't have to. He's like, no, you don't understand. I did it for you, like, so that you could find me impressive. And, and I'm, of course, like, I hear that and I immediately know exactly what's going on. And I, I'm now working two levels, right? On the one hand, I'm still trying to show him that this was a very good thing that he did for himself. On the other hand, I'm trying to make it very clear that, okay, well, that's very nice. But as, as I started kind of giving him that kind of answer, the piece started slowing down, you know, kind of like how in movies, like a, a, a bit of music all of a sudden gets twisted and starts making like shrieking noises and whatnot. Like that kind of started to happen. Like he was distressed that I was not like, I guess, falling in love with him for figuring out Claire the Loon. And the, the thing that he was doing with the piano was kind of distressing because he was looking at me like doesn't this make you happy and he's playing the notes and it's just off and so I had to de-escalate the situation and very quickly start kind of like making my way out of the house which again we're in the inner middle of the house alone and it's not like he was going to overtake me or anything but it is distressing to be in those kind of situations when i went to my supervisor a few days later and told them what happened they were very quick to tell me that oh yeah that happened to so and so also like i guess we should have told you about that oh you think and so, unfortunately, when that kind of stuff happened, I never messed around. And if you know any of the other stories I've said about my in-home uh, situations, which there's going to be another story about that soon, I would remove myself from the situation, which, unfortunately, I imagine causes different kinds of problems for the patient in those kind of situations. But the truth is, is that you can't stay this person is now seeing you in a different light and that actually has not only a negative impact on them but also on you as a therapist. I I was not comfortable with what had happened at that point and I kind of saw it coming but when it's right in front of you just it takes on a different light and no thank you. One of the things that's going to be lightly amusing about all the stories that I mentioned today is that they all happen during my time doing in-home counseling. And so these kind of instances don't happen that frequently anymore solely on the basis of the client base that I work with. But also there's a significant difference between what people do in their own homes versus doing in an office. But one thing that definitely will never happen to me again is not be in a shootout situation. I was working with a small child in a really bad neighborhood, and this was a project neighborhood. And I am a Hispanic person with light skin, so I kind of stood out in this environment. And I was working with this kid, and they would often tell me the family you know, if anything ever goes down, we have to make sure that you get out of here quickly. And I found that a curious comment to make. Uh, I didn't think that that was necessary or really something that 
the situation would demand, but I kind of was, and I, I appreciated the sentiment. But one day I'm working with a kid. We're both in his room, just playing Madden, talking about like school and what he's planning on doing as he slowly works his way up out of high school and kind of dealing with the things that he was going through. He really responded well to having an intermediary, like a video game, to kind of keep the anxiety at bay. When you just started hearing like shots go off and it was going for a little while and this kid bless his heart he was instinctually aware of what to do in that moment and dragged me down with him so we went to a prone level down on the floor while these shots were going off and eventually his mom charges into the room makes sure that we're okay and is like now you stay right there i need to make some calls and she leaves the room and the shots stop and eventually uh, the kid gets up, is looking out the window. I'm, I'm just kind of there, just not really sure what's going on. And she comes back and is like, come back with me. And so I go with her, and here are six men. Uh, two of them that I met before. One was an uncle, and one was the older brother of the kid, and four random people that I didn't know. And, and she said, now you listen to me. You're going to walk outside, and they're going to walk around you. And you're going to make straight to your car, and you're gonna get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, okay then. And they proceed to make this human barrier around me and led me to the parking lot. They looked at me, they said like, all right, now things are gonna happen around here for the like next week or so. So maybe go see such and such uh, sometime next week or we'll give you a call when it's safe to come back. And I'm like, okay, that makes absolutely no sense, but sure thing. And I leave, and they did give me a call back a few days later, told me that whatever the heck it is that happened uh, turned out all right. But in an interesting twist, one of the shots that were fired in that whole shootout or whatever, because, oh, I guess I forgot to point that out, there was a shootout. If you didn't gather from what I was inferring, there was a gang shootout that took place when I happened to be in that neighborhood, what unfortunately happened is there was an errant shot that went into the room next to the one that me and the kid were in, and it no one was in the room, so everybody was safe, but it was a relatively dangerous situation, which actually, sadly, they were kind of used to. And it was the first time that I went in a situation like that, where I was in the proximity of danger, but... Very interesting, nonetheless, for a lot of people in social services to deal with and and sadly what these people have to deal with on a daily basis in their own living space. Now, this one time I was working with this teenager who I was going to their home to work with him because he was an avid weed smoker. He sold, he smoked. He did all sorts of things, and it was causing chaos in his home. And the main reason for me working with him was to not only address the, the smoking, but also work with rehabilitating his family. Now, this kid had an older brother living in his home who was unfortunately schizophrenic. And we're talking about the severe version. Guess Baker acted maybe once a week, is on intense meds, but chooses not to use them, this person was out of it. 
And he would every so often be in the space that I was working with the kid with. He would make his presence known, greet me when I arrived at the house. Like, he was a very peculiar character. And I never got to see him at his worst. But there was this one time where I was going to drop off some forms for the family for something that they needed from the school. And the only person that was in the house was the older brother. I was not notified about this, but when I knocked on the door, the guy opens up the door and his shirt is filled with blood. I mean, it's a white shirt and there are shrieks of blood, streaks of blood riddled throughout the shirt, his shorts, he has cuts on his legs, he has cuts on his face, just what the fuck? fuck happened to you buddy and i i showed concern i'm like is everything all right and he's like no 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 everything's great now that you're here said it in that tone and in those words i will never forget it that was over 10 years ago and i am never gonna forget that and he's like what you got there buddy and i'm like i have some forms for such and such and he's like well they're not here but i'll be glad to stay here with you while you wait for them to get here. They're going to be here in five minutes. And I'm like, no, that's okay. I'll, I'll just give you these forms. He's like, I'm not going to take these forms. Why don't you come inside and we'll wait inside together. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I, uh, can you take the forms? And he said, no, but, but I'd love it if you came inside and saw what I was cooking up. And and oh my gosh, I'm I'm such a I, I don't know if I'm an idiot or I'm just a provocateur, but I, I I couldn't let that slide. It's like what what are you cooking up? You know, hoping that he's just saying like rice or something like that he's like a special project. And again, I, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I go on to say, like, is it a project that has anything to do with what's happening with your shirt and these cuts? He's like, It actually does. You should see it. And and again, that's the tone, that's the way he was talking. And I proceeded to tell him, you know what, like, actually, I'm a little, I'm a little uh, dizzy. I'm going to go to the Walgreens across the street and get some aspirin. He's like, well, I've got aspirin right here. Let me go and get it for you. Uh, can you come inside with me, like, in case I get lost? And at that point, I'm like, I, I, I need to go. So I, I actually start walking backwards towards my car and proceed to tell him, I'm actually going to go and get it. It's unethical. I, I use some total BS on him. Like, it's unethical for me to take pills, actually, from a house. So let me go and get it, and I'll come right back. And at that moment, I proceeded to call my supervisor, and I told him, this is what happened. They told me, oh, yeah, that's messed up. Um, mail the letter to them, and we'll close the case immediately. No questions, no follow-up. I proceeded to call the mom at a later point and tell him, hey, so... Uh, some things happen and the case has to close and whatever, but what the hell would have awaited me if I went into that house? And, and as a quick note, I used to work with people who would have gone into the house in that situation. And I don't know if it would have ended up being a nothing burger or if it actually would have been something problematic. But the scary thing is, is that I have enough sense to not follow up on a situation like that whilst a lot of my colleagues, I cannot say with the same confidence, would have done so as well. 
Now, this next story is amusing in so much that it has given me a fun nickname that I didn't know I loved until I heard it for the first time with this individual. And since then, whenever I hear it, I get a nice little chuckle out of it. But I was working with someone whose neighborhood was about 25 miles away from where I lived. And so I would have to make a trek out to visit this family and it was a family of four. It was um, a lady, nice, modest, uh, simple-minded uh, individual, a two kids, uh, four and six, respectively, and the husband. This, let's say, drugged out, mildly perturbed, but hyper-aggressive individual. But when I went to go see them, it wasn't for anything in particular. It was just simply they wanted family counseling and our services was providing it. And when I met him for the first time, he shook my hand and started like waxing poetically. It's like, I think you're a good man, sir, for helping us out. You, Mr. Carlos, are a great man and you're going to really help us with our problems. I never knew it until this moment, but Mr. Carlos is... An awesome name. It is clearly not my last name. You don't use Mr. followed by a first name, but that is a thing that some people do, and I'm here for it. And I've been called Mr. Cardinals on several occasions, and frankly, I don't even correct people. I love it. So this is the first time it happened, and this is probably the only time in which this person was pleasant, because every meeting after that, he would accost me for health reasons, for matters of discipline with children, for how his wife talks to him, and he would go on tirades that were probably drug-fueled and would go on a level of just non-stop hysteria and mania and would talk for 5, 10, 20 minutes at a time. Nonsense. This one time, I was alone in the house with this guy and he started telling me about a grocery adventure that he was going on because he felt that it was very important to give greens to your children. Collard greens, lettuce, broccoli, uh, ancient grains, and just started listing all these different vegetables and, and healthy things for at least 10 minutes. and. I was just standing there just befuddled by why is he doing this? But my work continued with the family until one day I got there and the guy was mad. It was only him and his wife luckily that day. His, their kids were off in daycare so they didn't have to witness what was going on. Although sadly they probably witnessed it on plenty of occasions. But he was irate and I tried to address what was going on it was something that regarding his wife and whatnot but I started talking to her just to kind of continue the conversation going and about something random it wasn't even important and he promptly got up while I'm sitting down while we're all sitting down and he started pacing he started going up and down the room oh I cannot believe what is going on here. I cannot believe that you people, you people. And 
I just was like, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. I, I'm not sure what's going on here. He's like, oh, you don't know what's going on. You're just one of them, one of them that's going to do things that's going to ruin society. And he just was pacing up and down. I looked over at his wife and she looked terrified, but not terrified in a, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die kind of terrified. More of a terrified, I am so embarrassed because I have no idea how to put an end to what is happening right now. And he continues to pace up and down the room, stops in front of a lamp, and just stares at it. And he's just like, the light, the light is going to be flushed out of this world, and I'm the only one that's going to have it at the end of the day. So he's clearly drugged up on something, and he is very angry. And I need to leave this space immediately. So I'm trying to find an opening. I actually start calling myself with my real life phone to my work phone. And I try to take the fake call in order to manufacture a way to leave the space. But this guy was on to me. He's like, what are you doing? Are you trying to leave? I'm like, I think I might have to leave. Oh, of course you would so that you can cause a mess out in the world. And I don't know what happened, but I ended up having to stay. And another five, ten minutes pass of him pacing and menacing. And I was, I was clenched up. I was trying to find something to defend myself with. Even though in a drug-fueled raid, this person probably easily would have overtaken me. And so, at some point, he got distracted by something in the kitchen. And that allowed me to get up and sharply start walking in the opposite direction. And I guess the world aligned in a way that allowed for not only me to notice that I had an opening, but his wife noticed that this was an opening for me to get out as well. So as I'm walking to the left, she gets up and stands between me and him. He finally catches wind of what's going on and he starts marching towards her. And she's like, honey, honey, why don't you go and get some mashed potatoes? And, and he's like, why would I get mashed potatoes, woman? And <laughs> if you think in any way, shape, or form, I'm doing any kind of like uh, misinterpretation of the situation or I'm being misleading. No, 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 no. This guy had this kind of voice and they had this kind of like interaction. Anyways, so... They start arguing about the mashed potatoes for whatever reason. And I'm like, okay, guys, well, I need to go. I need to make my way out of here. <laughs> I'm starting to sound like them at this point. And I, and I promptly go outside of the parking lot, get into my car, and just peel out. As I'm driving away, I see him stomping out of his house like, Mr. Carlos, Mr. Carlos, lifting up his finger and calling me. And he starts waving his finger to for me to go back into the parking lot and go back inside the house and I'm uh, and I you know I'm pretending like I'm on the phone just kind of like trying to uh, attend to an important matter and whatnot and as I continue to leave the neighborhood his stomping proceeds to become a brisk walk which then becomes a jog I exit into the main street and there he is now jogging very rapidly and starting to approach a sprint he is chasing me and this man 
has got a good pace going. I am now a block away from the original spot that I left of the neighborhood, and he's still, like, with his hand up, chasing after my car, calling for me. And I turn another turn. I mean, he's not the Terminator. This guy's not going to be able to catch my vehicle on foot, but I, I'm... I do not want to deal with this person or get caught in a red light and he approaches me. So I managed to finally slip into the next part of the main road and drive off. But needless to say, I never worked with that family again because whatever the hell it is that happened at that point, I wanted no part of it after the fact. In fact, I wrote a note to have the family receive a visit from social services because if whatever it was that he was taking, he was taking in the presence of children, that needed to get addressed promptly. But unfortunately, a lot of these stories have the same outcome. I got significantly distressed and proceeded to not work with those people because us therapists cannot be in a situation where there's endangerment either from a false relational connection or a possible violent situation or a drug-fueled situation. And we often have to make these judgment calls in order to not only keep ourselves safe, but also the safety of the people around them. Because luckily I was working with the wife in this last story and dealing with a safety plan if he ever got into a situation like this, which she made very clear happened frequently and so that is the kind of stuff that we therapists have to deal with in different capacities in different scenarios and hopefully you see that it's really scary out there sometimes and that's about it for today so having said that i hope you enjoyed the episode you can like or subscribe and listen in on future episodes down the line not all of them are story time like today but they do tend to have different themes. So you can also follow us at Suntales From on Twitter. You can write to us at SuntalesFromTheChair at gmail.com. And with that, I'll leave you for today. Stay safe out there. We'll talk again another time.